You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me once again uh, via Zencaster is my newlywed friend, Michael Leboff. Mike, uh, how is married life treating you? Uh, it's good so far. Uh, I actually had a, a very, it was, I guess, apropos wedding day where uh, I was watching the game as we were all getting ready. They were playing the Capitals that day um, and they were up 4-1 and I felt really good and everyone kind of we had, we got busy and didn't get to see like the final couple minutes. And, um, everyone was trying to keep the, (laughs) keep the score away from me for a while. And and then I saw it and they, they, everyone noticed that I saw it and they were like, all right, like, let's, let's not worry about it. Like bigger fish to fry. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Yeah. That was, uh, that was a rough one. Uh, that's uh, a bad one. Uh, I, I do appreciate, you should appreciate everybody who's trying to keep the score from you. That is kind yeah, of funny though. Of course. But, uh, <laughs> um, I was in the city that day and my wife and I were seeing a show. We were seeing the impractical jokers and, uh, uh, I was kind of following it via Twitter. And then at some point just sort of was like, <sighs> and she's like, what happened? And I was like, yeah, well they had a, I, you know, the Islanders lost. She's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, well, they had a four, one lead and then lost. She's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, just forget it. I just put my phone away. So, but I, I assume the rest of the day was much better for you than that that terrible Islanders game. Yeah, so it, it was a uh, it was much more four one lead than six four blown <laughs> lead. You know, 
<laughs> Nobody came in and scored a hat trick yeah, your, exactly. uh, your, during your wedding ceremony. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, c- congratulations to you guys again. Uh, we missed you last week, but uh, as uh, as you, I'm sure you already listened to our friend Carrie Haber uh, pinch hit beautifully. Uh, but now we're back, and so are the Islanders from their long. Uh, 10 day break. Uh, and they came out of the break with a couple of games, once against the Vancouver Canucks and together against Dallas stars. Um, you know, I think we all had a right to be a little bit worried about how they were going to come out. You know, it's a 10 day break. Everybody wants to hope, you know, hope that there's no rust. And I gotta be honest, I was at the game against the the Canucks, uh, at Barclays, uh, with my friend Gio and his two sons. And we all watched the game against the Stars. And I got to tell you, the Islanders looked pretty good in both of those games. They lost against the Canucks in overtime. They beat the Stars in overtime by same score, both times four to three. And uh, I mean, for the most part, they looked really good. They didn't really look like a team that had 10 days off. Um, Thomas Grice, you know, we've we've praised him a lot on this show, but, you know, the turnabout is fair play. And uh, he was not good against the Canucks. He was the only guy who looked like he was still kind of on the beach while everybody else was playing really well. And and even Barry Trotz, in a very rare moment of of uh, candor, said, uh, you know, we let in some easy ones tonight, which is his very diplomatic way of saying that there were some crappy goals in there that we should not have let in. And even Grice said himself on that winner from Quinn Hughes, nice shot and all, um, he normally would have had that. So that time he didn't. But they did get a point. They they really outplayed the Canucks for, for the better part of that game. And they really outplayed the Stars in the first at least 40 minutes of the game on Tuesday. Um, power play goal against, um, you know, but then they um, – they came back to take a to tie the game at three. Uh, Matt Barzell with the highlight reel goal that we'll be seeing for the rest of the year for sure. Through the legs, it was crazy. Actually, the second goal they scored on the same power play. The first one got taken away because Anders Lee and uh, Ben Bishop kind of collided at the top of his crease. But uh, then Anthony, Anthony Bovillier in overtime with the second of the game. So uh, two games, two really, really good performances. Uh, you know, you, again, Grice did not have a great outing on Saturday, but uh, – but I mean, they look pretty good so far for a team that's been that was off for ten days, and they better keep it up because the rest of their schedule for this month is awful, just completely awful. And every time I look at it, I get very scared because uh, things could go off the rail is in a heartbeat. But uh, what did you see from those two games uh, that you liked or didn't like? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I came away if you look at them as a as a whole, uh, pretty impressed with like the overall body of work, uh, which is kind of what we expect when the Islanders are going well. Is that the games kind of look like each other and, and they, they looked a lot alike. Um, Islanders were dominating in, in terms of like territory and scoring chances. Uh, unfortunately, I think in both games, the goaltending was uh, less than, less than like up to standards, I guess it wasn't up to standards because the Islanders are a team that's, that needs goaltending just because they lack in, in a lot of other areas of the game. So those areas need to, the areas that they do actually consider a strength need to be strengths. Uh, and neither game, the goaltending in neither game was a strength. I'm not too worried about it being a long-term problem because, like you said, like the hardest position. I, I mean, I don't. I haven't played professional hockey. I don't think you have played professional hockey. I get, I'm assuming that <laughs> no. a 10-day break is just not beneficial to uh, to a goalie. And obviously, Grice didn't look sharp in his first game back. Varlamov didn't look sharp in his first game back. So we'll see. I guess um, how they how they kind of respond. But other than that. Uh, I think like from the way that the, their big six, their top six forwards, that's like Barzell, Everly, Bailey, Nelson, Lee, um, and Beauvillier, like the, those guys are going to need to carry this team until either there's an injection from, of talent from the outside or 
they get more pieces from back from injury like Clutterbuck or from the minors like Bellows. Uh, you, it's almost like you can see them. Uh, it's like putting the team on their backs, like with every shift, like they know how important them being on the ice is. I, I think you could definitely see it in Nelson and Eberly and Barzell for, for sure. Like Barzell looks like a man possessed. He, I think he, he deserved like two or three more goals yesterday, just the way he was buzzing everywhere. And uh, so I'm cautiously happy with the way things are going. Obviously they need to get two points against the Kings. I know they have games against who's it, the Red Wings and the Sharks rangers there's like there are winnable Tampa. games yeah. yeah there there are plenty of tough games and there's plenty of winnable games uh obviously they're all bunched together so for right now like when you looked at vancouver and dallas on the schedule right after the break i think you'd say you know three points i'd sign up for that pretty quickly hmm. yeah um it's um you know yeah like you said that their, their goaltending wasn't a strength in those although i will say that um varlamov made an enormous save in overtime that was easily his best of the game. And, and in this decade, literally saved the game. Uh, other than that, he was a little bit shaky. A couple of those goals really weren't that great. Uh, and then Grace, we talked about before, but um, yeah, and I, Barzell in particular looked really, really well um, at the game uh, against the Canucks. Again, I was watching and I, I said to my friend that um, the, uh, the Nelson line looked really, really good. And the fourth line looked really, really good as well uh, with Leo and, uh, you know, that third line was still kind of a mishmash, uh, but the Islanders kind of addressed that on Monday by bringing up Kiefer Bellows for his first ever uh, NHL game. He did get an assist later on. It was added uh, to Derek Broussard's goal. And uh, apparently the guy who uh, told Kiefer about this momentous occasion was Andrew Gross of Newsday <laughs> after the game. Uh, he had a funny tweet that was like, uh, oh, you think who told you that about that point? He was like, uh, you did. So there you go. So congratulations to him. And, uh, you know, he looked OK. He, he had a couple of good. Good shifts, um, you know, a couple of shots on goal. He definitely didn't look slow, which was my concern, uh, you know, because his skating wasn't hasn't really been a strength of his. But, um, you know, if he can make something on that that line and make it, you know, at least somewhat dangerous, that would be great uh, against the Vancouver um, Tom Kuhnhackle and that, that whole line. Uh, Kuhnhackle, Broussard and Dalcole were on for all three goals against. And so Kuhnhackle found himself strapped to the bench. Uh, for most of the game. I didn't even notice, to be honest with you. Um, real quick, um, my friend and I were sitting in the section and uh, we got to shoot pucks after the game. It was like a ticket promotion that we bought. Uh, I bought it at Christmas time and you got the ticket and you got to shoot pucks after the game. It was pretty cool, especially for the kids. These guys sitting behind us, though, was a group of Canadians. And I know they were Canadians because they all kept talking about how Canadian they were. And the one guy was an Islanders fan. And I think two of them were Leafs fans. A couple of them were something else, rooting for the Canucks. Uh, and they just, a couple of guys were also rooting for the Islanders, although they were rooting for somebody else, you know, normally for somebody else. And uh, they were just really obnoxious. Like they just kept talking the entire time. And uh, I don't know, they, they thought they must, they must have thought they were like the funniest group of Canadians since the kids in the hall. Like they just continuously talking. And, and the worst part was like, it's not even just talking. It's just, but talking out of your ass, that's the worst part. And like, it, it, it's one of these things that drives me crazy is when people and hockey, hockey fans do this all the time. Like teams have traditions. They, they do things and maybe your team doesn't do it, but like for this team that you're the home team that is hosting that day, that might be a normal thing. And so the Islanders announced that they were having, Oh, sorry. Actually, it starts with the beginning of the game. The, the Islanders started the line they always start. Uh, Sezikis, 
uh, um, I almost said Kuhleman, <laughs> Komarov and Martin. Those guys start every single game. And one of the guys was like, why is this line starting? And the Islanders fan guy was like, they always start. They start every game. They want to set a tone. Well, that's weird. Why would they do that? Because they always, they've been doing it for five years. Two co- three coaches have done it that way. That's the way it's been. You know, it's not our fault you haven't been paying, paying attention. Then later on, the Islanders announced that Russian Heritage Night was coming up. And these guys were like, Russian Heritage Night? What's that? That's so weird. And it's like, not really. Pretty sure every team has that kind of, I mean, the Mets have had Italian Heritage Night, Jewish Heritage Night, Latino Heritage Night for years before the Islanders even did this. So, I don't know. It drove me crazy. It has absolutely nothing to do with the game. But uh, anyway, so yeah, Kiefer Bellows, uh, he looked pretty good. And, uh, you know, if he can make something out of that third line um, and, you know, they have a good chance to do that against the Kings coming up who are really struggling. Um, you know, that would be great. They, they need to take two points out of the Kings. You're probably listening to this game right before this podcast, just before they play that game. But it's kind of huge. Like it's, you know, not normally a game you would normally care about, but these are two points that the Islanders need to get. There's no excuses. They have to get two points out of this uh, or else they could be in a lot of trouble. They could wake up one day and find themselves out of the playoffs, which would really suck. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually think that the thing I was most excited about Bellows, his com- him, him coming up is that right away, he just gives that line a little bit more offensive bite. And and I think that's the, the, the problem has been with Dal Cole is obviously he doesn't produce at this point. We know kind of what he is. He's, He's going to be a third or fourth line winger. He's good defensively. He's very tough to deal with on a four check. He's smart, but he doesn't have any offensive pizzazz to his game. Like, it's just what it is. So if you put somebody with him uh, who who can create offensively, it automatically lifts his game and makes his game more important because he's then he's got a very specific role on the line. Broussard is the center, playmaker. Bellows, hopefully, is a trigger man. Dow Cole is, is your kind of checking winger defensive guy um so right away just even even if bellows first of all we need everyone need, i was happy that like nobody was making a huge deal about him coming up because we have no idea like we don't know what this guy's gonna be he could be just like dal cole he could be a guy who's gonna score five to eight goals a season as an nhler he might not be an nhler we just don't know um obviously he's a first round pick so you'd hope he'd be better than that but it's just not gonna be the case especially right now so as, as long as everyone keeps their expectations tempered and doesn't expect this guy to come fill the net like he's been doing in the minors, I think we'll be okay as, as a fan base of the third line automatically gets better because, I mean, Kunako just, that just wasn't working. It wasn't like the, that, God, that line was tough to watch. And, and I just don't, like you couldn't, you couldn't pick three players that like just didn't fit together more than those three. I think like, yeah. like we were saying, like, Dal Cole is just is what he is. Broussard is much more flair kind of guy, and Tom Kunakle like I he's just a north south guy who basically is your twelfth forward on a on a good night. So uh, the you know, the, the way that was going, it, it was it was encouraging to see that they did something because I know people have been getting so frustrated one with the lack of trades and two with the lack of you know giving Wallstrom another shot or whoever you wanted to bring up for the minors. So. I mean, it was just encouraging that they, they obviously that was a need and they addressed it and aren't like, no, we're just going to keep rolling with Kunakle there, even though it's not working, because it seemed like for a little while that was going to be the case. As excited as I am to see Bellows play there, I, I still do think that a, another center would be perfect on that line. Then you could reunite Broussard with Nelson and Beauvillier, where he had had some success, maybe move Bailey down to the third line and then have like a center there. Uh, to mm-hmm. kind of balance things out with maybe with you know, Bellows. That that to me would be my ideal thing. And then, you know, Dal Cole maybe becomes 
your Leo Komarov type or kind of sits or whatever. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, it's definitely something. And, um, you know, yeah, that I think the fan base was excited, but I don't I didn't see anybody sort of complaining about how we didn't score. Um, you know, I, I was actually kind of surprised that nobody was like, why not Hosang? <laughs> uh, which was the first thing I thought of. But I mean, he was hurt for a while. Obviously, he was gone for the holding out or whatever. Then he was hurt for a while. And now. He's back. He actually had two points this morning uh, in a day game that the Sound Tigers lost against uh, Springfield, I believe. So, um, you know, I think people wanted to see it happen. Um, they want to see him. His dad and his mom were in the building. So Brian Bellows actually, uh, you know, sitting there rooting for the Islanders for the first time probably in his entire life. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, um, it, it is something to it. That, that they noticed that there was a problem there. And, and Arthur Staple had an article about trade deadline stuff. And I don't know how much uh, trade trade talk we're going to get into here because we've kind of done it for a while. But uh, the, the thing that I noticed that's jumped out to me was that the Islanders before the break had a record of 29, 15 and five, which was the same exact record they had a year ago at the exact same time. Um, but the 63 points they had from that same record was last year enough to be first place in the Metro. This year, it's enough to be scrambling for the you know second wild card and holding off about four of the teams. So there's a lot of difference there, and lots a lot has changed, and the Islanders need to change too. I mean, we we talked ad nauseum over the summer about how they hadn't really uh, adjusted anything. There's still time before the 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 trade deadline to make, or maybe Bellows is the change. I don't know. They do need to get Cal Clutterbuck back. Adam Pellick, unfortunately, ain't coming back anytime soon. Um, so, you know, they, they need to win this next stretch of games that's coming up and it's pretty brutal. Like we said, Tampa, uh, the caps and the flyers next week, uh, then their road trip out to Nashville, Vegas, Arizona, Colorado. And then they finally come back with a game against Detroit, which again, (laughs) I know it's two weeks from now, but man, you better, you gotta win that one at least. Um, but, uh, it's going to be tough and you know, if they don't make any changes, which I mean, it's probably safe to say that they won't, um, this is this is going to be a make or break stretch for them. Uh, Kiefer Bellows or no Kiefer Bellows, so it's going to be tough. And uh, you know they they need to keep other teams at bay, uh, which kind of sucks because it seems like seems like just yesterday they were in first pl- second place, and it was like, well, okay, so the Caps run away with it. They'll, we'll just take second place. Second place is a long way off now. The the Penguins, I think, are four or five points ahead of them and show no signs of slowing down, which is incredibly annoying. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a, yeah. What are you going to do? It's it's a lot earlier to be scoreboard watching than I thought it would be, you know, yeah, like right? I'm, I'm here sitting, watching the, uh, the Ranger game. Usually like I'm, I'm not rooting for the Rangers like, cause you know, the Islanders need them to win until like April, but here I am, you know, we need, we need the Rangers to win here on uh, February 5th. And I mean, even last night's game, one point from those two games is so different Two or two points from those two games. So different from the three that they got. Um, and I was, I was like, I can't believe how invested, like, I feel, obviously I'm invested in, in every game and I feel kind of, you know, like it's a life or death moment for every game, but that was, that even felt more, uh, yet last night against the stars. And I was, I was like shocked that I'm like, Jesus, it's only February 4th and we're playing a Western conference team on a Tuesday night. And I am, I, I feel like the season is crumbling around me. Like there, there were, the Islanders were very close, I think, to, to being in a lot of trouble last night, just because of, you know the the goal getting called back, falling the soft goal that Barlamov let let in. Like if Barzell didn't score that wonder goal, uh, good God, uh, this would be a very very different episode. Oh yeah, oh no, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm at the point where I'm like looking at other team schedules. Like, hmm, all right, Flyers and Blue Jackets are playing. Oh no, it was I think last night it was the uh, 
the Blue Jackets, yeah, Blue Jackets and, and Panthers. Panthers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, come on, we gotta get this. And you, I, I mean, I'm kind of rooting for the Panthers a little bit because I kind of want the Leafs to miss, <laughs> obviously. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, what if it comes down to Islanders Panthers uh, at the, uh, you know, for that second wild card? It might come down to Panthers uh, Islanders Blue Jackets. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's a little too early for this, but I mean, this is kind of the lot we've been dealt, and you know, it it, it does suck that. You know, I was talking to Carrie about this on Twitter that, you know, what really is weird is that the the Islanders since that 17 game point streak have have played basically 500 hockey, which, you know, isn't great, but it isn't terrible either. They've won their share of games. They have lost their share of games. And but the worst part is that there are teams around them that just don't lose. The Blue Jackets just don't lose anymore. The Penguins just don't lose. The Caps haven't lost all season. So it's you know, it's one of these things that just it's like you said that the appetite is there for change, you know, for trades or for call-ups or something. And I think the team wants that. They just can't really find that thing or maybe find a, a, a price that's to their liking. Uh, Pierre Lebrun recently was floating an idea that, you know, maybe um, JG Pajo and say Ron Hainsey could come from, from Ottawa for maybe some conditional picks Hey, I was all for it. Sounds cool. Uh, that's just Pierre Lebrun talking. He's obviously not the Pierre that's in charge of the Ottawa Senators, so that doesn't really help us at all. Um, but uh, you know, that that could be something. Arthur Staples said on their podcast that uh, you know that you know when Pierre speaks, it comes from like you know having knowledge of talking to other people. So it might be worth paying attention to. Um, I was reading today about the the Predators and how they're still kind of haven't really found their way under John Hines and. Kyle Turris in particular is still really struggling. And, you know, he's a guy I went back to and was like, mm, looks pretty cool to me. Uh, Staple floated the idea of Carl Soderberg, who has a expiring contract in Colorado. But I mean, the avalanche are a buzzsaw, so I'm not sure why they would trade him. Mike Hoffman's name has come up. I was listening to I was watching the NBC show before before the Bruins and uh, Blackhawks game. And Bob McKenzie was talking about Mike Hoffman and how he had an expiring contract. So he might be available. So, I mean, there's. There's an appetite there to make a change. I just don't know if it's going to happen or where it could happen or when it's going to happen. And in the meantime, teams keep winning and the Islanders keep having to play these games and tough them out. And, you know, they're going to have to play their game, play Islander hockey, as they said after last night game. And that that game against the Stars was definitely Islander hockey. Like it was pretty grindy. Um, But, uh, you know, they came out and, and were able to put... A, a good team on their heels for the better part of the game. And um, you know, if it wasn't for Ben Bishop, I, the stars writer for the athletic Sean Shapiro, who's actually really good said, if it wasn't for Ben Bishop, that game would have been over way before the third period. And so, yeah. you know, you just keep playing like that and maybe make something of this next, you know, little while. It's uh, it's definitely frustrating that they have been playing and, and they played pretty well going into the break. I mean, the last, I think their last 25 games there, close to like a 53% expected goals rate. So, I mean, the Islanders are in, they're in good form. They're just not getting the results. And that's probably because of the lack of talent, maybe a little bad luck, whatever yeah. <laughs> you want to call it. But um, it just seems that I said this last night that every, they don't get rewarded enough for good play. And that's a lack of talent, but they also, um, they seem to just get punished for every mistake they make. Like last year, maybe last year, just because of the goaltending was so good that you just didn't realize it as much. But <laughs> I mean, I knew last night, my friend texted me saying like we needed more than one goal in that first 10 minutes and we both knew he was he was definitely right and then when the Sezikis penalty got called you kind of felt that you know like oh they're gonna we let them hang even though it's still the first period they let them hang around like they let they yeah. at that point like it should have been three nothing at least 
the game should, the stars should have been chasing the game at that point. They be, they would become more open and easier to score against. It changes everything. Um, unfortunately, when Sezikis took that penalty, it, you just knew right away, like this is ending up in the back of the net. And it became especially more apparent because the Islanders had what four chances to clear that puck before it went in. And it's just every time, yeah. every time the Islanders make a mistake like that, whether it's a turnover at their own blue line or the opposing blue line, it ends up in the back of the net. It's, it's so it's and you can just see it like you just feel it it's, i think uh at this point just because of where we know exactly what kind of team this is and how every goal kind of feels like a minor miracle we the islanders have to work so hard to score that you dread anytime uh, like scott mayfield turns the puck over or johnny boychuk ices it for no reason like there you just dread it because you're like if this ends up in the back of our net it's a big big deal like because it's really goals are huge deals in islander games because they're hard to score against and they can't score uh, to save their lives, although they did last night. But uh, it's just it's it's an, it's really interesting to watch this team because it's the the tension is it's just builds up throughout. Um, it rather than the normal kind of hockey viewing experience where it's like you know end to end action and your heart's just racing the whole time. This is like more you know white knuckling through a game. It's it's oh, it's a lot. Yeah, no, I I that sequence you're talking about. Yeah, I think Nelson and Bailey each had two or three times they could have cleared it and didn't. They got the sort of noodle arms uh, and they had a lot of shots too that were a little bit uh, on the weakish side that they were just kind of going into Bishop's chest. Um, and you you had that, yeah, I know that sinking feeling you're thinking about when it's like, oh man, come on. And then of course it ends up in the back of their net. Against the Canucks, it was like they, they spent so much time in the Vancouver zone that it, and the second period felt like the, the two times that the Canucks ended up in the Islander zone, they scored. And it was like, come on, really? <laughs> like this, you're going to give them two shots on net, and and they're going to both end up in in the back of the net. That's awful. And and uh, I think the Islanders might be the kings. I think I feel like uh, Flyers fans might say this too, but the Islanders are kings of of outplaying a team, but being tied or only up by one at the end of a period, and then that leads to the sort of like. Mm, I don't like this feeling. <laughs> they, they just do that all the time. And last night was one, like they outplayed the stars and they just were tied at one. And it's like, mm, I don't like with the way this is going. Um, but you know, they ended up uh, getting the two points out of it, which was the most important thing. Uh, okay. So uh, yeah, lots to, to chew over. This team is never boring. Stars <laughs> Canucks also, we shouldn't, we should, it, it should also be noted. Um, and we might've, but just remind yourself, those are two good teams like that. The, yeah, obviously yeah, the Islanders sure. were home. The, the Stars were on a back to back, but they, those are two very, very good teams. So the and the Islanders have just been able to do that. Like they're so hard to to beat and and solve as a puzzle that they are going to to hang with these good teams when they're going right. So those are good signs. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, the Canucks are actually very, very good. Uh, that we forget. I do forget about that. And yeah, I Quinn was Hughes, telling Quinn my Hughes friend's is, kids. Good God, he's good. He's very good. Yeah, he's like, and Jacob Markstrom is not just like a throw-in either. He's pretty good too. So yeah, I I I don't think I've seen a defender um, kind of command that that five feet in front of the blue line and to the blue line better than I've seen Quinn Hughes. Like he is so confident that he's not going to turn the puck over. I, I was just like, wow, if he tried to to pull that spin move at the blue line when Steve Sterling was like, if Steve Sterling was his coach or, or Ted Nolan, like, good God, he would have been he would have been halfway to like Brandon to play junior or something. I don't know where he would be, but he, he was, yeah, no. he was something to watch. I, I, I'm definitely keeping that in the back of my mind. Try to t- try to watch him a little bit more. Yeah, no, he's, he's a singular talent. Like he's, he's a game changer. And I, I don't use that word 
uh, frequently, but uh, but he really is, and and he did he had literally changed the game for the Islanders. He had a goal, two goals and an assist, I believe, in that game. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But uh, they they did play very well against a pretty good team. That that Pacific Division is really kind of weird. Every time I look up, there's a new team leading it. I mean, what it was the Coyotes, and then they weren't. And now it's the the Canucks, and it could be the Oilers by the time we're done with this. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, or it'll probably end up being Vegas at the end of the season. Uh, okay, uh, when we come back, uh, we're gonna. Just blow through a lightning round of topics uh, from last week and from this week and uh, all over Islanders fandom. So uh, come back uh, in a couple of seconds. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our sponsor, as always, is VintageIceHockey.com, uh, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, mugs uh, from featuring the logos of over 100 classic hockey teams. Uh, you could use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15% off your order. They also have all of our Lighthouse Hockey t-shirts, Isles Buzz t-shirts. And if you buy a Lighthouse Hockey t-shirt, our Al Arbor t-shirt, or use the code, uh, our portion goes right to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, so you can donate that way too. The new stuff there is great. Cleveland Crusaders of the WHA, Pittsburgh Hornets, really old school team that predates the Penguins. It's kind of cool. And the Motor City Mechanics, they actually played for two seasons, including the NHL lockout season. They had like Chris Chelly and Darian Hatcher and all these guys uh, and then uh, they uh, they they had to fold and it was, it's a whole crazy story you got to read it it's great <laughs> I was I was tweeted about it the other day um, vintageicehockey.com lighthouse 15 say 15% buy an Al Arbor t-shirt uh, donate money people have been donating and uh, I just got I keep getting the the notes from Kevin about the donation so really appreciate it keep it up uh, check out vintageicehockey.com whenever you can uh, okay, so we had a lot of topics to talk about. You and I obviously didn't talk last week, so we got a couple of things to cover that have been covered already. Um, you know, Matt Barzell was was benched for a little while there uh, before the the last game before the All Star break. It kind of came and went, um, but then Sunday uh, or Saturday night, I should say, uh, he's at the All Star game. He's winning the fastest skater competition. It's pretty cool. It's a cool moment. It's something not a lot, not a lot of guys get to do. Not a lot of Islanders get to do. Meanwhile, at the same time, an article comes out in the New York Post by Brett Sergalis that talks about Matt Barzell's pending restricted free agent status and how the Islanders need to sign him, and that's all fine and good. But then he floats this crazy idea that maybe the Islanders can't sign him, and maybe they end up trading him to Seattle, a team that doesn't exist yet, for some thing. I don't even know, despite the fact that Seattle is two years away, year and a half away from being an actual thing, and all this because Barzell played junior hockey in Seattle. He's not from Seattle. He's from a town probably three or four hours north of Seattle. Uh, and it's just 
I mean, I just say it's the dumbest thing I've ever read in my entire life. And I, I don't say that literally, but uh, lightly because I've read a lot of dumb things about another free agent uh, in the recent Islanders. Past. I just, and I couldn't get over how stupid it was. And I, I normally wouldn't like broadcast that kind of trash, but it was just something. And I just, I still can't believe I'm the words are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I think the big takeaway from this is that Islander fans are just so conditioned. We've been like, just modified and, and molded into this this group of people that are very good at not buying into you know clickbait headlines and stuff like even the Barzell benching we we knew like there's there's deeper reason behind that uh if it if it got to be bigger news or something and all of a sudden people were like tweeting like oh you know like just the eye emojis like my Barzell was benched by Barry Trotz today like eye emoji like we, we're, we're used to that stuff like we've been we've been dealt a lot worse than that so like we're, we're very good at digging deeper, being able to to use our minds and talk to each other and being like, yeah, I remember the, the conversation. I was away. And I was watching that game against the Rangers and um, my friend and I were talking. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw what, what he did that. And, and I kind of get it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I don't ever want to see him bench, but in a four nothing game right before the break, it's like, you know, it's a good teaching moment. That's, that's a, a, a Barry Trotz is, is, is a very, very good coach in, both on ice tactics and by getting his players to like buy in. And that's that he made an example of his best player up for nothing right before a break. Like, Hey guys, when you come back, you better be ready because I'm going to, if I bench this guy, I can bench you, you know, it's, it's no big deal. So the and Islander fans, I thought just handled it very, very well because like we, we that is so has been, we, we've seen so much worse from, from writers and from rumor mongers and content farms. Like we're used to that stuff. And then the next, the next, uh, was it five days later that stuff comes out and it was just like, like I I just don't understand why that when your when when your job is to I don't know if you, you know you want to call him a full time Islander beat writer because he's not like he, he I don't think he he's like on the beat like Andrew Gross is but uh you know like he knows what this fan base is and he knows and and the po- obviously it's the post so you got to like also take with a grain of salt but. It's it's just not going to go over well. It's not going to be received with any f- shred of de- uh, of legitimacy, and it's going to piss off like the Islanders' uh, communications and PR team. Like the, the Islanders that are very quick to to like take away credentials, and and I know like when when the thing with um, like Adam Pellick, uh when he went down and and the Hurricanes writer was was uh let's just say like didn't yeah. handle <laughs> handle things well, professionally. Uh, she heard from the Islanders brass like you they're they're very good about making sure that like they're they're watchdogs that's their job i guess and uh i just don't understand why you would do it and then you realize like well you wanted the clicks he's going to get some really angry islander clicks and comments that's good for engagement whatever but and islander fans know that going in like they just start they know that i'm not going to get suckered into this don't give it the light of day talk amongst ourselves and be like let's just rip on this guy for doing this because it, it's so dumb rather than like actually give it any any thought and the fact that it didn't get picked up anywhere else like just goes to show you like this there's just nothing nothing behind that and you know it got it got i guess it, he did his job because he made a lot of people pretty mad but i thought the fan base in general did a good job of keeping like the conversation amongst each other rather than uh you know give doing it or or letting it get into become a bigger thing that it is it, it reminded me a little bit like when uh whatever his name was, someone was like, oh, look at John Tavares having a great year after toiling away on Long Island for, for right. nine years or whatever from last year. Like, 
we know exactly what those those kind of like comments and stories do because uh, we've had to deal with them like basically once a week for five six years now whether it be about the arena or free ages whatever it is um so i think it's just fun to watch the this fan base kind of handle those things like like a good group like it's 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 like almost like oh god like here's here, it's like a therapy session amongst uh you know however many people are are islander fans not many but it's uh it, yeah. it was it was encouraging to see like that that kind of stuff rather than it go the other way and get ugly yeah. Um, and it's funny because in both those, I had totally forgotten about that, that Tavares tweet. And, but in both cases, both the, the, um, uh, you know, the Sergalis Barzell Seattle thing and the Tavares toiling away tweet, it, it's like both of those writers like defended themselves later on saying like, wow, you guys took it the wrong way. I don't understand. It's like, you know, he was, I think with the Tavares guy, I might be wrong, but I feel like he was he, basically what he was saying was like, you know, they didn't really get a lot of publicity and stuff. And it's like, no, dude, that's not what you meant. You know, <laughs> it's like you meant toiling away on a bad team. Like, don't don't lie to us and tell us, you know, and try and gaslight us into thinking it's something that it isn't. And then with Sir Gallus, he, you know, a couple of days went by and he's like, I, I, forget, I, I should call it up. I'll find it for the for the notes. But he was basically like, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised that Islanders Isles Twitter, you know, didn't see, uh, you know, I guess, you know, took this too hard or whatever, because he got called out for being a moron. And it's like, dude, you wrote. So I don't want to call it clickbait, because if he's getting paid by the click, then he that's a bad idea. You know, I don't that, that that's that's not good for his bank account. I don't want that to happen to him. But uh, if he's you know, we know why he wrote that. And the fact is that the whole thing is completely nonsensical because the team doesn't exist and won't exist for another year. So what is, I mean, I don't understand. Was he going to hold out and then they're going to trade him to this non, non-existing team for what, for any, like, and it's just, it's the kind of lazy spitballing that makes no sense. And like you said, I mean, a smart fan base and Islanders fans, look, we get a little bit crazy where our nerves are always up. We're always talking about how like we're abused animals and, and that's the way we are. But we're not dumb. <laughs> like we, we can smell this kind of nonsense coming from a mile away and nobody's going to fall for it. And it's like, we know how this stuff works. We know where the teams get like, you know, you can't just throw this out there and be like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. No, people are going to pick it apart because it doesn't make any, and it doesn't pass any kind of test, smell test, eye test, ear test, whatever, like it doesn't matter. And so for him to get all up on his hind legs about like, well, you guys read it the wrong way. No, dude, we read it the way you wrote it. <laughs> Like that's the way it works, and this is and it's stupid. And the fact that you did it on the All Star game when the guy just won the, you know, you knew he was gonna be in the fastest skater. I mean, the fact you knew he was gonna win, obviously, but he had a pretty good chance of winning. But uh, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. But speaking of ridiculous <laughs> writers, you, you brought this up, and I, I, I gotta admit, like, so I, I'm, you were like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker, and I, I read the athletics, you know, Leafs coverage. Well, I got news for you, I do too. So don't take it too, <laughs> too bad. But uh, but I hadn't read this sort of Leafs like um, trade deadline primer. Uh, every team has done this. Arthur Staple did it, you know, for the Islanders, and of course we read it. But uh, they it's by Jonas Siegel and our friend James Myrtle, who has probably blocked everybody listening to this. I know he's blocked me, and he's probably blocked you too, and uh, on Twitter. And so, um, you know, they they ran down fifteen guys that the Leafs could possibly trade for. And you're you're one hundred percent right. I want you to go into like how how they write this thing because it is very different. Like it's not quite like the way Arthur writes his trade pieces or Andrew Gross writes his or the way we write ours. Uh, it does have a certain tone to it that's really uniquely Leafs, <laughs> which makes some sense, I guess. But it's very odd. It is, know, yeah. It is like 
when when I read something about the Islanders and and whether it's like a potential free agent or trade, whatever it is, someone being called, even like someone just being called up, the tone of the article is always here's a hundred reasons why this won't happen and the team won't get better. But like this is a possibility because maybe the Islanders do actually make a trade and get JG Pajot or whatever. But the, the way you read it, and maybe this is just because the way we are as fans, is like, all right, I'm already skeptical because I'm reading it because I'm clicking something, I'm reading it. I'm already skeptical because I'm an Islander fan. This article is making me more skeptical because an Islander beat writer is writing it. And at the end of it, you're like, this is never going to happen. Next story. Whereas the, these, these, and this was from the off season too. I remember Myrtle writing something about like all these moves that the Leafs can do, even though they had like no calf space and stuff. And he like basically broke down here's what their roster would look like after they signed Marner with these guys. And if you read this um, trade deadline fiasco, I don't know what you want to call it. It's like, <laughs> it's like 15 players and a hundred to 500 words under each of them about like how the trade would work and whatever. But the way it's written is just, this is probably going to happen because we're the Leafs. Like who, who, why wouldn't it happen? Even though we're up against the cap and you know, we, we'd have to trade people away and, and, Teams can say no to us, which doesn't ever come up in the article. It's not like, oh, maybe Matt Dumba doesn't get traded because he's good, and then Wild might want to keep him because he's good. But in, instead, it's it's like, well, here's why Matt Dumba would be great for the Leafs, and here's how we're going to go get him, along with P.K. Subban, Sammy Vatnin. There's just like the list of – and it's also talking about Cody Ceci. Like, they're like, well, we'll trade Ceci in this trade too. And like, do Cody Ceci – it's if, if now that I say it, I knock on wood a little bit, but – because I'm sure they'll be able to pull it off. But I don't think people are going to be like, yeah, no, sure, we'll definitely take Cody Cece on because he's a terrible hockey player. Like, we'll, we'll love, we'd love to have him. And you know what? Just just by doing that, we're also going to give you one of our good players. That's just not how it works. And if you read it, you're like, you come out of there thinking like, oh, man, like the Leafs just made 15 trades uh, and they're, uh, they're on their way to the cup. But it's just, if, if you read that article and then read, you know, what, whether it's Andrew Gross or Staple or something from Lighthouse Hockey, like, it's just like so different, like the, just the, and it just drives me nuts. It just, and it, and it, and it also like shed some light onto how and why um, we we don't generally care for that kind of that fan base and that that little universe, and they don't care for us because it's just so different. It's just what a different existence it is. Yeah, uh, there's a section here, so it starts out with Jeff Petrie. Of the Canadians uh, being a possibility. Yeah, I'm sure that the Montreal gets, Canadians would love to trade their best defenseman to their biggest rival. Right. Like, you know, like what? <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly. Like, and and I mean, they do mention like, oh, well, division rivalry be damned. It's like, yeah, that probably won't happen. Although, you know, trades have happened between those two teams more so than the Islanders have traded with the Rangers or the Rangers have traded with the Devils for that matter. But um, the second guy on the list is Josh Manson, who Elliot Friedman specifically said the Ducks will not trade because they love this guy. In fact, in his 31 Thoughts column, I remember very clearly from today, Friedman said that some scout or some executive or whoever said that the Ducks love Manson more than your wife loves you, (laughs) which is a very colorful way of saying they're not going to trade this dude. (laughs) Um, meanwhile, the way they, this piece is written, it's sort of like, well, you know, I was going to put Petrie, but I couldn't decide between Matt Dumba or Josh Manson. Uh, but either way they get to keep, uh, uh, um, uh, Kaspari Kapanen and Andreas Johansson. So it's like, so what are you trading for these guys that, that the other team doesn't want to trade? Like, that's exactly the kind of thing. And, and it's just, it goes on and on like this. They like, you know, how about Adam Larson and Jesse Pugliarvi from the Oilers? Yeah, sure. 
what are the, you know what are you going to trade for those two guys? I mean, who the, who the hell knows? Play, give up a player like will be an upgrade over Cody Cece. Yeah, sure, of course Adam Larson's an upgrade over Cody Cece. You or I are probably upgrades over Cody Cece. Guy's not that good. Like it's just it it, it really is like a very it is a very different kind of thing. Whereas yeah, with the Islanders, it's more of like well Arthur Staple always starts off his any kind of trade stuff with we don't know what Lou Lamorello is going to do. Like we just don't. <laughs> we just we never do. And I think that might be a thing too. Was like these guys probably talk to John to Kyle Dubas and they, and they, they, you know, he lets them in on these things. I would assume, I think, cause they all look exactly alike and they're all the same exact age. And they're all like these sort of, you know, buddy Holly glasses wearing hipster dudes, but you know, Lou Lamarello isn't telling Arthur Staple jack shit, no offense to art or Andrew gross or any of those guys. Lou isn't telling him anything. Like that's just how Lou operates and he has operated that way for 30 years. So you're kind of, you're always, you know, speculating. And at the same time, the Islanders would have to give something up and like, let's face it. The Islanders don't really have a wealth of options to give to get for these kinds of things. So could they trade for JG Paggio? Sure. Will they? Eh, probably not. Meanwhile, the Leafs have already penciled in. These guys have already penciled in PK Subban, uh, you know, uh, as as being, uh, you know, in the Leafs lineup. And it's like, yeah. Where would he play in the lineup, given he is essentially another Tyson Barry like defenseman on a team that needs a bit more defensive acumen? There are tough things to answer right now. No, they're not. He doesn't play for you. So there's not tough things to answer right now. <laughs> that and, and, and the Sir Gallus thing, like it's just – at, at this point, we're, just, we're, we're so used to like those, those lazy, lazy kind of just takes. And like if, 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 if it was someone who was writing that, that Barzell piece, going back to that one, if that was like someone from Seattle, like getting a little excited for, for the, the franchise coming and was like – you know, here's like a list of 30 players that could end up on, on Seattle, like one of those kind of things. And and they mentioned that and, and Barzell would be like, you know what, who cares? Like, that's, that's totally cool. But for a guy who knows exactly like what this fan base went through and how he treated um, journalists who, who didn't really do any sort of digging on the Tavares stuff. And were less like, well, he, of course he wants to play for Toronto. Like, you know, he, he didn't, he tried to maneuver a loophole when he got drafted. Like this guy, like, that he saw exactly what we went through. He know he should know better. He should have taken notes. Like, so yes, we came after you because you, you should know better. And I think like, it just blows my mind that the, those guys who, who run the, the athletic, uh, basically like that, that, that they run, I think James Myrtle is like the, the head of Canadian athlete, athletic Canada or whatever it is. Yeah. He should just, you should just know better. Like this isn't, I get, I get like, that's the kind of stuff that people want to read commuting to work. Like here's like 10 minutes of worth of content to read, um, talking about a lot of players that aren't going to come to the leaves, but like, come on, it's just so frustrating. And I was saying to you before that it's just been a really, really Canadian week, uh, or, you know, fortnight because of the battle of Alberta stuff. And, uh, yeah. even before that, I, I was listening to the 31 thoughts podcast, which I would say I listen maybe one out of every six or seven episodes. I try to listen more now because, you know, like with the deadline looming and stuff, um, who better to listen to than Elliot Friedman. But uh, they were talking about Ovechkin um, when he scored some goal. I think the one to beat Iserman or or whatever. And the bench uh, came off. His teammates came off the bench and mobbed him. And And Jeff Merrick said to Elliot Friedman, you know what my problem is with that? Is that the norm now? Like for every big goal, are they going to get mobbed? Are we going to see mob scenes? Oh, like, I remember that. Yeah, need, I listened to that too. Need yeah. to do that to each other, or will like the guy who scored the goal be expecting it? And they talked about it for like fifteen minutes. 
I'm like, this is horrible. This is like terrible, terrible. And now, you know, hearing somebody talk about them talk about is probably terrible too. But I mean, it's just, it's just the way that these guys treat, it goes, it's just so different. Like they, the way they, they, they cover this stuff. It's, it's like life or death. If, if, uh, you know, if Nick Backstrom gets his 1100th assist and someone doesn't grab the puck, like he's going to, he's going to hold the grudge against them forever. Like, I don't think so guys. Like he's, it's going to be okay. We're going to move on. Um, next year you'll be doing, talking about somebody else doing something else stupid. Uh, and then the, yeah, the battle of Alberta stuff. I mean, I actually got excited for it for a little bit until, until after it was over. I mean, cause look, that's, that's a, that's always been a fun rivalry to keep, uh, like just tabs on in general. Cause it's just such a different part of the continent, like Western Canada and long Island, very different places. They, and, uh, they both, but they both, obviously they, their fan bases are rabid. Like I, I knew an Oilers fan in college and God, he hated the flames. Like he, he would, we always joke like the way he feels about the flames is very similar to the way I felt about the, the Rangers. Like you'd, you'd basically root for any organization to beat the Rangers in a hockey game, no matter what, like whoever it is. Uh, and so, you know, I was, I was like excited to see what happened and, and, and watch. Cause I actually love the Kachucks. I think that they're so good at like doing exactly that. Like just, throwing fuel to a fire but then the like the six or seven days after to hear like yeah. this, this is the best thing that's happened to western canada since you know they found oil in abbotsford or something like are you kidding me <laughs> i feel like i read this every couple of years like i might be wrong but i feel like every couple of years i read the battle of alberta is back <laughs> and it's like did it really go anywhere like i just i, don't, I mean yes okay fine the Oilers and Flames were very bad, both very bad for a long time there in the 90s, as, as were the Islanders and, and, and Rangers for, for a long time. Neither team was making the playoffs uh, in the in the late in the early 2000s. And it was pretty so the Islanders were, I guess. But like, you know, the, there was a time there where they both missed the playoffs pretty frequently. But uh, yeah, the way it was handled, I don't know. It just I know people get keyed up here and like, you know, there's a little bit more coverage. More writers come down when the Islanders play the Rangers. It happens all the time. But like. I really felt like it was on that battle. This particular year's battle of Alberta was covered almost like a playoff series because it was like, every, first of all, they played like the Islanders and Rangers. They played like every other day for some reason, but like, you know, Kachuk laid a couple of borderline hits on Cassian and then Cassie just beat the hell out of Kachuk. And, you know, I guess there, you know, if you're an Oilers fan, that's great. If you're a flames fan, you want, you know, Cassian thrown out of the, you know, whatever. And it's, I, I don't, I don't just, it seemed really over the top to me. It just seemed like a little bit kind of crazy for a regular season thing. And it's just, I don't know. I, I just, it was fine. I, I found it funny from afar, but like it did take, and there was, then there was an Eric Francis piece that I highlighted on Twitter where he's like, the winner in all this is hockey. It's like, <laughs> come on, dude, seriously. Really? What if we, what if I, my, like, my daughter is in, my daughter's in fourth grade. She probably would start a, a thing like that. Maybe she wouldn't. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, it's just, come on, seriously. The, the, the winner I is hockey. That, I just, I don't know. The next 31 thoughts, I think the the first question, or Jeff Merrick was just like, I'm going to ask you something, and I think you know what I'm going to ask you. And he's like, you know, pause for effect. Is it done? And then, and, and like, <laughs> you, like, like, do they need to fight again? Like, are you kidding me? Like, Jesus Christ, like, just get over yeah. it. I forget who it was. It might have been Friedman was like, Kachuk did what he needed to do. He stood there. I guess he stood there. He had to get punched in the face by Zach Cassian. I don't know. It was just... It was very odd. And then, like, you know, we're going to turn around and have a, 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 you know, a discussion about concussions. Like, it's just, it's very weird to be like, it's a good thing that these two teams, like, literally fought fist to fist 
for this many times, but then it's like, oh, but now we got to be careful now. Like, I don't. It just it seems weird. It seems very off putting. I don't understand. Yeah, the whole thing was was really strange. Although I will give the Oilers credit for the uh, the the Cassian extension the day of, yeah. um, which was yeah. which I just thought was pretty funny. Like it's just and and can we also just talk about how uh, so so the NHL suspended Cassian after the first game, and it just so happened that he would come back against the Flames for his first game back, which like. If you're if you're going to you know protect the players and whatever, like maybe maybe think about suspending him for a couple extra games. So that's not if you're really trying to you know keep keep tempers down and or whatever. And then how about the fact that George Paros is is the the NHL director of safety? And I know like he he when he got hired, he was like, well, I never been suspended for a dirty hit. But like, dude, you you were a goon. Like, I, no, like more power to you for for not getting suspended and and, and being in that kind of. Uh, role but like it's just amazing that that's the guy that um that is is there and they, they were all there for the game like he's like well yeah we got to travel to Edmonton for this game to to go make sure people are uh behave and no you're not like you got NHL.com yeah. writers like asking like Zach Cassian if he's gonna fight Matt Kachuk like it's, yeah. it's not it's, yeah that's right it was like Paros and I, I don't know if Bettman or Bill Daly or whoever was it like it was a whole cadre of people that were there and it's like nothing. The same thing happened if you guys not been there. And it's yeah. Well, they it they, they went there just so they can say they're going there to like make it a bigger deal. Like, oh, the NHL's in town. Like, you know what that means? Like, here comes Sportsnet is coming. Like, they're sending six extra reporters, and and now TSN's got their guys coming. And it's just at the same time, like it's 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 such a circus that um, I wonder if 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 they weren't doing this kind of stuff, if I would miss it. But uh, it sure is fun to just and and it's a, it's another funny like thing to think like. Everyone at my job is loves the NBA much more than the NHL. Like, if this stuff was going on in the NBA, I like Twitter have been shut down. Like, ESPN would <laughs> would be shut. Like, stock Disney stock would go flying up because everyone would be watching ESPN all day long. Like, it's just it, it's just so funny that in hockey it like happens and like like if if a hockey fight happens in in a forest, like does anyone hear it? Like, no. Like Zach Cassian and Matt <laughs> no. don't mean anything to anybody outside yeah. of this stupid world of hockey. It it always cracks me up when they when the the discussions and and thirty one thoughts has these too like the discussions of like you know why isn't hockey bigger and it's like I look around my office and there are two other hockey fans and I'm pretty sure only one of them knows who Austin Matthews is like I'm not sure maybe the other guy I think I think they both do in fairness but like that's a that's an office I have a very very small office but like people out out of, outside of hockey don't know who Austin Matthews is they don't know who Connor McDavid is they just don't. And I mean, that could, you could go on and on about whose fault that is, but they just don't. And like you said, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the Andre Iguodala just got traded to the Miami Heat. I guarantee people in your office are going to be talking about that tomorrow. Like, it's just, you know, but if, if I don't know, a similar player got traded tomorrow to a different hockey team, that wouldn't happen. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, I, I was, but you know, now that I think about it, I find you, you could probably mention this too. So in, in, in the English premier league, they have like Derby day, right? Where like all the big, the big rivals all kind of play each other in the same day. Isn't that, is that a thing or am I making that up? Yeah. They try to is schedule that, them on like the same day. Uh, yeah. Like three or four of them. So they, they should do that for the NHL. So you have like Islanders Rangers, you have Oilers flames, you have, you know, Kings sharks or Kings ducks. And then I don't know, penguins flyers or whoever, whoever the penguins rival is now lightning Panthers, the whole thing it had Canadians, uh, you know, Habs Leafs, I, I don't know, sends Leafs or whoever I said, I don't know, whoever they can, they can get, but that'd be kind of cool. Like, I don't know. They should do that. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's funny. Cause there's so many like obvious, I think ways right. to, to not only reward 
like us, like hockey fans would be like, that, that's really cool. Like that's a, that's a great idea. But also like, Hey, like here, if you want to like learn why people love it, like watch these two teams that actually do hate each other play on the same day. And then guess what? An hour later, these two teams also hate each other, but they just will never do it. Right. Like I always think yeah. that the NHL should uh, schedule more day games, especially in like November, maybe like October, whatever it is. Like I know the Leafs play one a year, um, just like on a random Monday where kids come to the rink. Like it's like a all the season ticket holders donate their tickets to kids or whatever. And I'm like, like baseball. I know baseball plays 162 games, so there's a reason for it. But what what would the NHL have to lose to like try something like that? It's like they're not going to, uh, you know, it's not like the 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 fan base and like their footprint in the sports world is going to get smaller. And if it does get a little smaller, it's not that big a deal. Whereas like if if something like that works and like it 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 it, it could pay off, but that's just uh, they they just are uh, they just don't think like that. <laughs> no, they don't. Who knows? They're, they're, they're too busy to come up with more outdoor games for everybody to play. Uh, two things, uh, two th- two other athletic things real quick before we wrap this up. Um, so one last thing about the that 15 trades uh, that the Leafs could make thing. Uh, I d- did notice as I scanned through this that I'm pretty sure half of these guys are playing for teams that are like either in playoff spots right now or like a point out of playoff spots which again is a very presumptuous thing it's like yeah of course the carolina hurricanes would totally trade you a guy who's you know while they're in the middle of a playoff race just to help you out sure why not of course it's got to be jake gardner uh the the predators are still trying to get in the playoffs uh who else they i got forgot here? about the gardner thing oh my god the gardner thing cracked me up like hey, hey remember that guy we ran out of town who was he was like pretty good for us but we, yeah. you all hated him we're gonna trade for him too it's just it, right yeah <laughs> Never. Totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other thing, too, is uh, earlier this week at The Athletic, uh, Craig Custance did a thing where he did like, a round table with a bunch of agents. And one of the, the big questions he always asks is, uh, you know, who, what teams are showing up on your clients? No trade lists. And if you scan that list, it's like about a dozen teams deep. One team you will not find are the New York Islanders, which is a huge, 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 huge thing. The Leafs are up there. The Winnipeg, the poor Winnipeg Jets. Nobody wants to play. Nobody wants to get traded to Winnipeg. It's cold. The team's not that good. Nobody wants to get traded, but traded to Buffalo. It's almost as cold, but the team is much, much worse. Uh, one agent said that his team, his guy, he has a guy who puts New York immediately on there because it's too big. And he means the Rangers, the devils are on there. The Leafs are on there. So uh, that was a little treat uh, if for athletic subscribers uh, to read was- uh, this week. The Islanders are not on these trade. I mean, you know, it's not every agent, but, pretty cool i i i actually was was kind of shocked at that but it must be the andrew Ladd effect the, the the word about the schools got out there and uh now they all they mm. all just want to come here but uh yeah yeah i mean <laughs> like I, I i was when i was scrolling through that and, and i saw people talking about it on twitter mm. i had it pegged i was like all right it's gonna be probably winnipeg ottawa buffalo islanders mm. and then obviously they had like the the agents talking and i was like i cannot wait to hear what some of these agents have to say no mention of the arena or anything. I, I was shocked. Like what? Yeah. What a feather in our cap. Yeah, it's great. Uh, they must be watching the live feed of the arena go up the way we are. Too, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but of course, the, the only thing, like nobody talked about the Islanders in a thing. It was all about how the Oilers aren't on there because people kind of want to play for the Oilers now. It's like, yeah, okay. I, I think more importantly, the fact that they don't, they want to play for the, or at least they don't actively don't want to play for the Islanders now is kind of a bigger deal, but that was just me. Uh, okay. Um, real quick. Uh, you know, we, we did an episode last year uh, where we 
uh, talked about uh, some former Islanders that were inducted into the IIHF Hall of Fame last year was Ziggy Palfi, Miro Shatan, Jorgen Janssen. Uh, was all very cool. Well, this year's IIHF Hall of Fame inductees even feature even more Islanders. So congratulations to Alexei Yashin, former Islanders captain Mark Streit, and Islanders legend quote-unquote legend, uh, Ryan Smith for their induction into the IIHF Hall of Fame. We're going to do a whole episode on these guys, at least half an episode full on these guys back in, later in May uh, when the uh, the ceremony happens. But that that's pretty cool that these guys of this generation are being inducted into the IIHF Hall of Fame. And I, I mean, Kim Otimanen is also on the list and a bunch of other guys too. And I mean, they all, they're all very, I don't even have to look up their stats. No, they're very deserving. I mean, nobody deserves to be, you know, feted for his work for uh, his national team more than Ryan Smith, right? I mean, I know some people still have, still have uh, hard feelings for that guy, but I mean, he's Captain Canada for a reason. And then Mark Streit, like, you know, outside of the Islanders, he's, he's like a god among Swiss players for his work before, even before he came to the Islanders. So great for them. Alexei Yashin obviously was a GM, too, of the uh, Russian national women's team for a while. So great to see a lot of cool Islanders and uh, a lot of guys that we saw uh, play for a long, long time, although Ryan Smith was a very short time. So but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, I'm two two Islander captains and a captain Canada. Uh, that's that's what a group of players. And we spoke a lot about Stride. I think you know a couple months ago, and uh, just just seeing him and the way everybody talks about him is great. And uh, I think that the Alexa Yashin uh, Islander fan relationship is like at the at the stage now where people are starting to be like, you know what, I appreciate him for sure. Maybe he he obviously wasn't going to ever live up to that contract. That's not his fault. Um, but we, we, we're at the point now, I think people can kind of appreciate his body of work with the team. Like he, he did, he was a huge part in turning the Islanders from just absolutely terrible. I mean, the Islanders were just so, so, so bad. And like the four years preceding his arrival into uh, at least relevant again. And, and he was a part of the team that really grasped me as a, uh, and, and turned me into a fan in 2001, 2002. So, uh, yeah. Couldn't couldn't be happier. Uh, Ryan Smith. Uh, it's very apropos talking about him around the trade deadline too. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's just right. a fun group of names uh, to, to look at. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, Yashin. You know, and again, we'll get into this later on. But uh, you know, I've said it a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, that trade made a lot of sense at the time because Yashin was the kind of player the Islanders had not had since literally Pierre Turgeon. That, that number one center who could make a lot of things happen. They had Ziggy Palfi, obviously, in between those two guys. But, you know, Ziggy was a winger, and and he was great, but he was kind of, you know, just a one piece. But to have that big center really means a lot. And, and Yashin was pretty good until his his wrist got sliced that yeah. one time, and that, that hampered him for a long time after that. I don't think anybody wanted to admit how hurt he was for a long time, but there you go. Um, yeah, Smith, you know, again, that's, that's a blockbuster. And, you know, a lot of – it's funny because, like, Butch Goring has – been since 1980 you know the final piece of the puzzle every team looks for it but like every team wants their team everybody every fan base wants their team to make a big splash at the trade deadline and really get that that big gun out there and you know make that run to the playoffs well the islanders did that guard snow did that <laughs> you know it was a long time ago now but like we forget that and like that was a, a hugely hugely energetic incredible thing and no it didn't last long but holy cow i mean the fact that it even happened is still mind-boggling Jeez, I mean, that, that was Ryan his, Smith was an Islander. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Smith was an Islander, and and we, we we linked that video a while back. It's just insane. If you just type in like Ryan Smith Islanders on YouTube, if if you've never watched that, you should. But um, <laughs> if uh, 
that was Snow's second trade deadline, right? Because the first one, the first one was the no, that was the first one. That was his that first was one. His first year, and yeah. then the second one was the one where he, uh, where he traded Mark Parrish, I believe, mm. to the Kings for his Parrish and Sopel, I think, for Tambellini and Grebishkov. No, Grebishkov came. Yeah, yeah, Grebishkov. But uh, the yeah, like what a, we people people didn't were were pissed that Smith didn't resign, and and I guess some people don't like him for that, and for kind of just the way he, I guess, left the team or whatever you want to say. But, I mean, the Islanders, it's funny to look at now because the Islanders haven't made a blockbuster trade in God knows how long. And think about, like, no, they made, like, a country-changing change trade Mm. back in 2007. That was the best. Garth Snow was the uh, Sporting News uh, Executive (laughs) of the Year or whatever it was, or GM of the Year or something like that. So it was pretty crazy. And then Mark Streit, I mean, I could talk all day about Mark Streit, one of my all-time favorite Islanders. I was so excited to bring it back all the way back to the beginning when I took the – we were able to take those shots uh, after the game uh, against Vancouver. I wanted to wear my Mark Streit T-shirt. I On July – first of 2018 or whatever it was i took all my islanders t-shirts i put them in a closet i didn't want to wear them again i thought my mark strike t-shirt was in there i went to go get it this last saturday and i could not find it and i it, i turned my house upside down i couldn't find it. end up wearing my josh hosang collector's item number 66 t-shirt which was a fine consolation prize but i could not find my number two mark strike t-shirt i wanted to do the pump fake slap shot uh, you know, on my own, but obviously uh, didn't didn't quite work out that way. I hit the damn post on the stupid slap shot from eight feet away. It's very embarrassing, my friend. Thank God, only my only my best friend and his kids even saw me. But there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, Mark Stride is a, one of my all time favorites and just a classy dude. I hate that that word, but I mean, there's no better way to to really sum up Mark Stride and his way and his classy. And I, I actually, of all of them, I'm really looking forward most to to his speech because I, I feel like he he's gonna probably. Talk about the Islanders the most. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I guess Yashin will, but uh, but I'm looking forward to. It. So yeah, congratulations to all those guys. And Kimo Timonen too was a hell of a player too. So that'd be pretty cool. Uh, okay, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for uh, reading Lighthouse Hockey every single day. You should subscribe to all of our podcasts. Uh, there's a new Isles Buzz that's already out. Uh, there was a new Islanders Award winners earlier this week on Brian Berard that I hope people enjoyed. It was really cool to do and revisit. Uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of Mike Milbury digs in that one. Uh, we still need calls for my favorite Islanders game. We always need calls for my favorite Islanders game. The number is 646-980-8857. Again, the number is 646-980-8857. Call and tell us your favorite, your favorite the story of your favorite Islanders game. We need these calls. Without them, there is no show. <laughs> and so we need them. So we can never have enough. 646-980-8857. Um, that's it. We'll be back sometime next week. Oh, the, yeah. So next week, the Islanders have four games. So, uh, I have no idea when we're going to talk, but, uh, we'll have to figure something out. Uh, I'm going to be on the, uh, Broad Street Hockey, uh, podcast, uh, one of their, their, um, checking out the competition podcast earlier that week with my friend Kelly. So I'll be there, but we'll, we'll, we'll get some time together. I don't know. Cause this is going to be a crazy schedule. They go on the road trip. They're in Vegas on Saturday. It's going to be nuts. Yeah. They, that I'm just looking at it now. It's just, it, it may, it just, there are a lot of cities on it that I'm like, wait, how are they getting from here to there and there? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, alas, alas, they will. They're uh, they're a professional team. But um, oh god, yeah, it's uh, it's daunting. But uh, it, it beats the hell out of where where we were, you know, two years ago. And when the when all all I cared about was I just want to play relevant games in February. I mean, mm. before that, I was saying like I just want to be relevant in like December because they would just never mm. they would never escape November. 
in intact. So um, I guess it's it, well, it, it, it sucks, but you I'm got thankful. him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got him. It does suck, uh, and you got him. So there yeah, you go. but yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see how this these games go against the Kings, Lightning, Caps, and Flyers, and then uh, see where we're at. So join us then. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye bye.